InfoTrack continues. Once again, here's Chris Whitting. Brain diseases, including Parkinson's, are now the leading cause of disability. Is enough research being done on prevention? Here with the story, InfoTrack's Roy Mackey. Roy? Thank you, Chris. We're joined by Dr. Ray Dorsey. He is the David M. Levy Professor of Neurology and Director of the Center for Health and Technology at the University of Rochester Medical Center. He's also one of the co-authors of Ending Parkinson's Disease, A Prescription for Action. Dr. Dorsey, let's start with maybe a bit of a primer for those who may not know everything there is to know about Parkinson's disease. Tell us a bit about the disease and the typical effects of it. Sure. So Parkinson's disease is now the world's fastest growing brain disorder, faster growing than even than Alzheimer's disease. Over the past 25 years, the number of individuals who've been affected by the disease worldwide has more than doubled. And absent change, it'll double again the coming 25 years. Parkinson's disease is classically considered a neurological or brain disorder, and its key features are a tremor or shaking in the hands, usually worse on one side than the other, slowness in movement, stiffness, and difficulties with gait or balance. The disease is more common as we age, and as we'll probably discuss, it has numerous environmental factors that contribute to its rise. Is there a typical age when Parkinson's is first diagnosed? It's rare, but not unheard of before age 50. About 4 to 5% of people have it before age 50, maybe a little bit more. It increases such that about 1% of people at 65 and 3% of people at 85 have the disease. And again, it's the fastest growing brain disorder in the world. And why do you believe it is on the upswing? Aging obviously contributes to it because the disease unfolds over decades. Much like smoking and lung cancer, you don't smoke a cigarette and then develop lung cancer. You need many decades of cumulative exposure, and time for the disease to develop. And as we live longer, more and more of us will have time to manifest the classic symptoms of the disease, such as tremor and difficulty with balance and walking. Some of the early symptoms can begin decades before the tremor appears, for example, such as loss of smell and constipation. We think that there are numerous environmental risk factors, including certain pesticides, air pollution, heavy metals, and chemicals like trichloroethylene that are contributing to its rise. If you look at rates of Parkinson's disease across the world, they're highest in the most industrialized parts of the world, such as the U.S. and Western Europe, lowest in the least industrialized parts of the world, like Sub-Saharan Africa, and increasing most rapidly in the most rapidly industrializing parts of the world, such as China and India. I understand there is a lot of research going on. Is progress being made? not sufficient progress is being made. There's research, but insufficient progress. In this century, in the 21st century, we've only had three new classes of medications approved for Parkinson's disease, and all of them only treat a subset of individuals with the disease. The most effective medicine for Parkinson's disease is called levodopa, and that was developed 50 years ago, and it doesn't treat the underlying pathology or symptoms of the disease and it has its own side effects. So we need much more to be done. So why do you think we are not making enough progress in terms of research? Is there not enough money being directed towards it or are there other factors? Certainly on the treatment side, there are insufficient resources. So at the same time, the number of Americans with Parkinson's disease has increased 35% in the last decade. NIH funding for Parkinson's disease adjusted for inflation has actually decreased. So we need more resources. We also need better objective measures of the disease so we can tell whether new treatments work in a shorter period of time and with a small number of individuals. And I think we need a fundamental reorientation 
in our research aimed at Parkinson's disease. Much is focused on treatments, and that's important, but we can prevent, likely prevent, people from ever developing Parkinson's disease, and we need to do much more to do that, both on the research side and on the policy side. And that led us right into my next question. What steps can people take in terms of prevention to slow down these increasing rates of Parkinson's disease? There are numerous things we as a society can do, and there are things individuals can do to lower their risk. So I mentioned that there are certain pesticides that that are linked to Parkinson's disease, one called Paraquat. It increases the risk of Parkinson's disease by 150% or more than doubles the risk. 32 countries, including China, have banned the pesticide, which is reported to kill the weeds that Roundup can't, but the United States has not. In fact, use of paraquat in the United States has more than doubled over the last 10 years. So we could join the rest of many other industrialized countries by banning paraquat. There's another chemical called trichloroethylene that in the 1970s was used in everything from whiteout to decaffeinating coffee to degreasing engine parts and is still widely used and the dry cleaning industry. It's linked to Parkinson's disease and up to 8% of workers in the United Kingdom and likely similar number in the U.S. have worked with this chemical, which increases the risk of Parkinson's disease. And then it's also the most common groundwater contaminant in the U.S., contaminating up to 30% of groundwater and found in half of Superfund sites around the country and thousands of other sites, including one 15 minutes from my home that I found out in the process of writing the book. Hmm. If you're going to point out one or two myths or perhaps misunderstandings about Parkinson's disease, what would those be? One huge myth is that Parkinson's is a natural consequence of aging. I think, and you know, I could be wrong, that Parkinson's disease is to a large extent man-made, that this is a product of the Industrial Revolution. It's linked to industrial products and byproducts. It was first described by Dr. Parkinson in 1817 in London, and if you think of what's going on in 18 and 17 in London, it's the height of the Industrial Revolution and England's the capital, and the London fog had little to do with weather and everything to do with air pollution. You couldn't even see across the street at night because the air pollution was so thick. And you think that same dynamic is playing out today in China, where air pollution in China is extremely high and rates of the disease are rising. So we can take actions as a society to decrease our risk of developing Parkinson's disease and prevent people from ever developing this very debilitating condition. And then there are individual actions that we can take, such as exercising vigorously in our 40s and 50s can decrease our risk of developing Parkinson's disease a decade later by about 20%. A Mediterranean diet, reducing head trauma, and other things can also likely decrease our risk of developing Parkinson's disease. So if I have someone I care about, someone in my family who has been diagnosed with Parkinson's disease, maybe recently, what advice would you offer? For those with the disease, well, more generally in the book, we highlight that we should adopt a PACT, P-A-C-T, to address uh, Parkinson's disease. The P is to prevent the disease. A is to advocate for additional resources. And then for the individual who has the disease, we should be able to care for everyone affected by the disease. In the U.S., 40% of Medicare beneficiaries with Parkinson's disease do not see a neurologist soon after diagnosis, and those that don't are more likely to fracture their hip, be placed in a skilled nursing facility, and to die. We should enable anyone anywhere with Parkinson's disease in the U.S., and quite frankly, anywhere in the world, to be able to receive the care that they need. Part of that's by increasing the number of Parkinson's specialists, but part of it's by enabling people to receive care on their terms. So my colleagues and I, for the last 10 years, have been using telemedicine video visits to connect to patients directly in their home. 
and we need to expand those kinds of models so that people can receive care on their terms. We need to expand expert care models like my colleague Dr. Bas Bloom has developed in the Netherlands that enable anyone to receive expert care from trained physical therapists, occupational therapists, and other health professionals who provide care to people with Parkinson's disease. And finally, we need to develop better treatments by investing more, evaluating new treatments, and getting better measures, objective measures of the disease so we can tell whether a drug works or doesn't. Dr. Ray Dorsey from the University of Rochester Medical Center, one of the co-authors of Ending Parkinson's Disease, A Prescription for Action. Dr. Dorsey, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you very much. And for InfoTrack, I'm Roy Mackey. You're listening to InfoTrack, a production of Syndication Networks.